Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. It's football time, baby. The real games are happening. And today, oh, and today, it truly preseason form. Um, the season is upon us. Yes, we're back. It's me. It's Jason. And today we have a very special surprise for everyone. We are giving away our first patron pod for free. That is right. 100% free. You're listening to it right now. Even if you're not a patron, this is the patron pod. Now, what are we going to be doing on the patron pod this year? Well, we are going to be having the waiver show, which is Obviously, the most important part of fantasy football. Um, we're going to be having that waiver show. Today, we're going to be doing something like that. It's kind of like quote-unquote waivers. It's guys that may have went late in your drafts or may be on the waiver wire right now that you could pick up preseason at any time because waivers aren't running right now. And we're also going to do the Thursday night preview. That's right. We're actually going to preview these games, and today is when we start. The Cowboys and the Buccaneers are the first game on the schedule, as you guys know. Pretty good game, I must say. Whoever was scheduling this did the right thing. So, with that being said, I'm excited to get into, like, real, real life. What up, Jason? It's football time, baby. I can't believe the time has come. Every year, it seems like the season ends, and then you snap a finger, and boom. We're back talking about real games. It's wild. This year in particular, too, because 2020 put a lot of people on the internet. So, all of a sudden, every little thing that comes out is, like, this huge news. And um, draft season was crazy this year. Like, it's always crazy, but draft season, and I'm, turn, I'm talking NFL draft, not even fantasy draft, because fantasy draft season, best ball has really changed the game in terms of fantasy drafts for fantasy. But for the real season, when you have five, five quarterbacks that go in the top 15, it's, it's a lot to talk about. So it was a lot of, it, it seemed like the NFL was a, a, a year-round thing this year but now we're back um and this year you have a chance with us to do better than ever because we have changed the game ladies and gentlemen if this is the first time you're catching up with us if you haven't caught up with with the offseason then we have some surprising news for you and if you are with us then you should have this already it's the fantasy football by brodo app you can get everything you need to dominate including fantasy player cards which act as profiles which are updated every single week during the season. So these are living documents, these player cards. Not like it, it's online versions of the cards that you get, except with every single fantasy stat you need. It's amazing. Player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, a who to start tool. Who to start tool is about the most valuable thing you could have in fantasy. Advanced stats, including exclusive statistics that have been tested now for three straight years and work true throw value true target value true performance value don't forget this is free thanks to the patrons over at patreon.com slash bro fantasy and if you're continue to support the show you'll get this episode plus you'll be supporting that app so with that being said what are you supporting you're supporting our fantasy football knowledge you're supporting our passion for this thing the work that we put in and hopefully you are supporting yourself winning some championships. So, Jason, let's get right to it. What do you say? 
I was born ready. Jason, today I was like, yo, uh, you want to get a list of like two or three players each um, that you we think are going to be good players? Jason hits me with a text with like seven guys. <laughs> so that shows you where Jason's head is at. So let's start off with it's these. It's football fun time, bro. It, it is football fun time. So FFT. <laughs> let's start off with these uh with these guys that could be on your waiver wire right now in your home leagues and any league that you're in, really, um, let's start with the first guy on your list. I think is the most in, I think is the most intriguing name on your list, Jason, and I think it's Nelson Aguilar. Uh, a couple a couple episodes ago, you mentioned that Nelson Aguilar was being very much kept away from the field during the preseason, and people then forgot about him, but don't remember that they brought him in for big money. They brought him in to be in the outside, and now Mac Jones is a better thrower than Cam Newton is, even though he's a he's a a rookie. Yes, we've never seen him do it in a real game. Yes, so everything we can't just assume that he's going to be good, but I think it's safe to assume he's going to be a better thrower than Cam Newton, who the the Patriots last year threw a total a total grand total of eight touchdowns, a grand total. So with that being said, Jason, why is Nelson Aguilar one of these guys on your list? Uh, well, first I want to make note that these aren't. A specific order like I it's not in order of you should pick up one two three or four whatever it's just a list of people but I included Nelson Aguilar on it because the guy is getting no love as a number one receiver on a team he is 34 percent roster on Yahoo and everyone is here talking about Jacoby Myers and Jacoby Myers is an undrafted rookie who's never caught it not a rookie he's an undrafted player who's never caught a touchdown who has insanely terrible measurables so fuck out of here with Jacoby Myers and if you look at the rest of the depth chart we have Jacoby Myers Kendrick Bourne Gunnar Olszewski Matthew Slater and you could say all you want about Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry uh running a two tight end offense they're gonna be the key weapons yada yada Mac Jones is still gonna have to throw the ball outside the numbers and when he does I expect Nelson Aguilar to be that person and there's nothing like overreaction. I'm going to talk a lot about overreaction when we cover these people. And Mac Jones has to hit Nelson Aguilar for one deep ball. Doesn't even have to be a touchdown. One 40-yard completion where it's a nice catch, a nice throw, and people will be running to the waiver wires to pick up Nelson Aguilar, talking about how him and Mac Jones have such a great connection. I don't see why there's no point of not adding him unless you're like in a shallower league where you have better players out there. That's fine. But if you're in a 12-man-plus league, I think Nelson Aguilar should be rostered. A guy that I've been getting on a lot of my teams, and for me, his value, I understand he's hurt. And I understand, well, he has a history of being hurt. And I understand that his quarterback is hurt and has a history of being hurt. I get those risks. But he's literally going undrafted. And the guy is Paris Campbell. This is a guy who, when he's been on the field, he has been produced. He's a, he's been productive. He was good at, in in college at Ohio State. This is a guy who projects to be a great slot receiver and just never has had the opportunity to stay on the field. But this is year three. I've I've been loving the value I've been getting out of Paris Campbell. Um, I think he's worth rostering if you have a shot. What do you think? I concur. Why not take the chance? Um, again, in a 12-plus person league, if you're looking at the cold step chart, you're looking at Michael Pittman, who is a talented player and who has a lot of hype, but he's an outside receiver. Um, and then T.Y. Hilton's already injured. And then Jack Doyle and Mo'Ally Cox aren't going to 
a beast, huge receiving threats, it seems like. Like, the team is looking for playmakers. And every time Paris Campbell has been out there, he's been that person. He had, I think, nine targets in week one last year. They're good. The Colts have not quit Paris Campbell. And I don't expect them to quit him unless he gets hurt again. So right now, I think he's a value as someone who could potentially be the number one option in an offense, even if it's a bad offense, especially in PPR leagues. Paris Campbell is intrigued. This is this is I know this is completely off the rails, and I'm, I'm going to go into left field. But if I'm Paris Campbell, I've got to at least consider taking steroids, right? I know that's out of left field, but like you, it's, it's a you, ridiculous state. I get it though. It's like, like you're three. You know what? Let's keep getting injured, or let's maybe make millions, and then I'll I'll miss a few games for suspension. Like <laughs> like Will Fuller, right? Yeah. Like if I get caught, I get caught. But this is going to be my opportunity to prove I can do something. It it makes you because these these injury prone guys, man, I feel so bad for them. One of the one of the most. Uh, if you look at some probability, it's like a hundred percent of five million, or. 15% at like 40 million. Which one would you prefer? Uh, to be honest, I, I, you've, you've lost me. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's almost the same approximate value. Never mind. <laughs> um, here's a guy that I'm approximating value for. I do, real quick, before, because oh, I, I don't know Jay. if you're going to mention this guy, but I, I wanted to get to him at the outset and I forgot because this is your little cheat code for all, you, all of you out there. I'm not sure if this is the next guy Tim was going to say, but Rashad Bateman. Yeah, he is a cheat code because he's on IR. So every single person we're talking about today, before you decide to pick them up, pick up Rashad Bateman first. If your team has an IR spot, put him in your IR and then pick up the other person. That's exactly what I did in our home league. I took Rashad. I picked up Rashad Bateman, put him on my IR immediately after picked up Paris Campbell. And now you have Rashad Bateman just waiting. And when he gets healthy, Marquise Brown's already dealing with injury. Sammy Watkins makes teams worse. You have a high draft pick wide receiver who could immediately become a number one or number two, depending on Mark Andrews, how you consider him, option in the offense. It's a little late for this, but if you haven't drafted yet, if you're one of those leagues that that draft really late, Yahoo has Michael Thomas's ADP down by the hundreds, like past 100, I think, or like 90. He's been dropping. Dude, sure. I've been getting him in the twelfth round, and I just don't draft a defense, and then putting him on IR and, I, and dropping a defense, and I miss out on a twelfth round pick. Okay, and now I got Michael Thomas. Six six weeks later, he's on my team, I, I'm, I'm, and there's no one else that's taking his spot. Like that, those are the type of things that win fantasy football leagues. Like the type of things Jason's talking about right now. Like these little IR cheat codes that you could just get. Yeah, I was off of Michael Thomas all off season just because. He's been a maniac, and I don't know if he is going to even play for the Saints this year. But once his ADP drops, like, once you can get him in the 12th round, then who gives a shit? Because at that point, you're flipping a coin regardless. Facts. So throw him on your IR and then pick up someone we're talking about. Why not? Um, Actually, one guy that I think I've, I've – this is a guy who I'm rostering in 100% of my leagues. I'm going to say that again. I'm rostering this guy in 100% of my leagues. All – of the leagues that I'm in, I have this man. His name is Justin Fields. Why do I have Justin Fields in all the leagues? I've gotten him in every single draft in within the last round. Every single draft I've gotten him in the last round. I just don't draft a defense. One of the things, I just wrote an article for Fantasy Pros. One of the things I really ha- believe in this year is don't draft a defense. 
Don't do it. There's so many defenses that you could find on the waiver wire that are good for week one. And unless you're and even if you're drafting one of the higher defenses, the return on defense is is absolutely horrible. The average draft position of top five defenses over the last five years is 12th. Their ADP is 12th, including last year, Miami finished in the top five of fantasy defenses and had an ADP of dead last, 32nd drafted. So, like, there's so many things that you just can't predict when it comes to these defenses. It's one of the reasons why whenever these fantasy football podcasts or these fantasy football people are like, oh, but their strength of schedule, it's like, well, you don't know. Like, the the Vikings last year were a great matchup. The Patriots last year were a great matchup. The Patriots and Vikings are historically great teams who are getting people back not only from injury, but also from the COVID, COVID opt-outs. And now, there, if you're looking at just the number strength of schedule, you gotta you gotta run into the Vikings, who, by the way, is playing Cincinnati, one of my favorite defensive plays in the first week that you can definitely get on the waiver wire. Or the Patriots, that's those aren't good matchups now. So, it, and those are just two examples. That there's so many defenses that are going to be better, and so many defenses that are going to be worse. So, like, I, I've I've had Justin Fields. I'm not drafting a defense, and I'm just picking a defense later. Why? Do I want Justin Fields? Well, Justin Fields ran a 4-4-4 40 time. Not for nothing, and I watched the 40, he tripped. He tripped while running. He tripped out of the gate. Still ran a 4-4-4. According to ESPN, that is the fastest time, the second fastest time ever in combine history. Robert Griffin III was about uh, was a 4-4-1. So you're talking about a guy who runs the second fast time in combine history. His rushing baseline is going to be amazing. And here's how I know that. In Mitch Trubisky's first season as a starter, he had the sixth most attempts rushing for a QB. He had the fifth most rushing yards for a QB. And he had had three rushing touchdowns. Now, Mitch Trubisky is an athletic dude. But in no way, shape, or form is he anywhere near the athleticism that Justin Fields possesses. QBs who run are just straight up worth more than QBs who just throw. This is why I'm drafting Justin Fields over a Trevor Lawrence. This is why I'm drafting drafting uh, Justin Fields over a Zach Wilson, over a Mac Jones. Because QBs or runs are more valuable. A yard rushed is worth two and a half more points than a yard passed. And each rushing touchdown is worth 50% more points than a, a touchdown that you throw. Like, a lot of people don't see the numbers, but they don't really process the numbers like that. That's a big, big jump. And his rushing baseline already been on display in the preseason. He rushed for 92 yards and a touchdown in the preseason. But that's not what I love. What I love is that Trubisky in the 2008 season finished 8th in the NFL in dot and 6th in big plays by a QB in 2018, his first season as a starter. By the end of Trubisky's reign, as he got worse, he threw... Are you, re- are you ready for this? Are you ready for his completion percentage on deep balls last year? 18%. 18%. A comically low 18%, according to Brett Coleman. Comically low. So that shows you one of two things. It shows you Trubisky's problem was not really physical. It was mental. It was between the ears. It shows you another thing. 
Shows you that Matt Nagy, despite the fact that he has the quarterback with the worst deep ball percentage in the league, will continue to throw deep balls. Matt Nagy is stubborn. There is a reason why the Bears drafted, uh, went up to get Justin Fields. Justin Fields was the most accurate deep ball passer in the NCAA last season. In his career, he threw exactly zero interceptions on deep throws as opposed to 18 touchdowns. Justin Fields, his problem, if you're evaluating Justin Fields, is that he has a little hitch in his delivery. But that hitch in the delivery only affects you you when you have to have those three-step drop out, three-step drop out. And that's going to be something that he's going to have to work on. But in the meantime, he's going to run the crap out of the ball, and he's going to throw the ball deep. And he's in an offense that allows for that to happen. And he's and the only thing standing in his way is Andy Dalton. It's the only thing standing in his way. Is a guy who we saw last year does not have it anymore. Just, he just straight up does not have it anymore. He's going to... Andy Dalton's going to be against the Rams. The Rams are going to rip him apart. Because the Rams defense might be the best in the league. They're going to rip him apart. And then you're going to have Justin Fields take over. Because you know what else? Matt Nagy is on the hot seat. Ryan Pace, their GM, is on the hot seat. I am all in on having Justin Fields and stashing him right now. I'm 100% fine with that. I I think everything you said, add, it, add Trey Lance's name as well. And I yeah. also concur. Do you know what the, the problem with Trey Lance is, bro? There's two things that scare me with Trey, Trey Lance. And they're both usage-related. Well... Number one, the dude hasn't played in a real game in Mad Long, and he's this good in the preseason. That bodes well, but also doesn't bode well, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? He, he, he needs more reps. Jimmy G is a good quarterback. Like, he's not great. That's why they, they it's, it's very much a parallel to the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes kind of situation, where Alex Smith was a really good quarterback. Not great, but really good but not someone who's going to lose his job. And I don't think Jimmy G is someone's going to lose his job, especially behind that offensive line, especially with the weapons that he has. So that scares me. Number two, Trey Lance coming in and splitting time with Jimmy G like they did in the third preseason game where they absolutely destroyed the... I forget who they were playing, but they destroyed them. It scares me. It scares me that Trey Lance is not going to be a full-time quarterback. And that's why... I'm leaning Justin Fields because I know when Andy when it's Andy Dalton's time and I know for a fact I will bet my entire life savings that Andy Dalton's time is coming sooner rather than later. When Andy Dalton's time comes, it's Justin Fields' time from now to the foreseeable future. And that's yeah. why that's why I, I prefer him over Lance. That's why I haven't been taking Lance in drafts. Although, with that being said, I drafted Lance over Fields in my dynasty league because. Going forward, I'd rather have a dude in the Kyle Shanahan system, um, especially one with legs like Trey Lance. It's all about legs, brother. Both these guys have them. Both these Wild guys. Andy Dalton doesn't have legs. It, he's uh, been a quarterback this long without legs. I know. Good for him, I mean, he's a he's a he's a honestly a true hero, true hero. Um, <laughs> uh, Jason, let's go back to your list now. Um, someone that I have been on for the entire offseason, and I'm so angry that I drafted Michael Carter over him in one of my drafts, is Ty Johnson. Uh, 
I wrote an article in July that I got a lot of shit on Reddit for about how Ty Johnson was a good pick at ADP. Um, a, a few reasons why Ty Johnson's a good pick. Number one, Ty Johnson fits the scheme. Um, you don't have to listen to me say it. Uh, I Robert Sala says it over and over again. Robert Sala, the head coach of the of the Jets. Uh, the numbers also support that. Last year, Raheem Mostert finished tied for third um, in yards before contact, uh, which shows, which you know, it's not the most predictive stat in the world, but it is some an indication because there's no stat that can really tell you this guy's good in this scheme and this guy's good in this scheme. This stat is an indication that the running back is good at finding the holes and hitting them, not so good at getting yards after contact. Ty Johnson was tied for third with him. So Ty Johnson and Raheem Mostert, are running in the same offense, have that same skill set, although Ty Johnson does not have the speed Raheem Mostert has, kind of have that same skill set, it makes sense that Ty Johnson, a veteran, would get the first shot at this. Now, Tevin Coleman is also in the in the conversation, so let's not forget about him. So is Michael Carter. So any every time you have a three-person backfield, it's not sexy, but Ty Johnson is going undrafted. So, Jason, I've given my spiel. Why do you think Ty Johnson should be on everyone's roster? Spiel, 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 spiel. Because Ty Johnson in limited time, or he reminds me of like a Phil Lindsay type guy who just every time he's on the field, he produces. And it's not like it's he's a one-trick pony either when he's produced. We've seen him just demolish people, even this preseason. I don't remember who it was, but he just ran someone over. And then we've also seen him outrun people. The guy is fast. He's strong. And good vision over the last... Last season and now over the preseason, he's making it clear that he's not a nobody, that he's someone who deserves touches. And I think that even if Michael Carter does end up getting more work as the season progresses, I would not be at all surprised if that gets siphoned from Tevin Coleman and not Ty Johnson. I expect Ty Johnson to have a role in this team all year. And this offense is an offense that kind of has, it has potential. There's nowhere to go but up from last year. So you don't really know yeah. what you're getting from the Jets offense. So if you're banking on if you're one of those guys banking on on Zach Wilson to be great right away, then there's no reason to think that his running back won't benefit from that as well. Yeah. So True. It's, so I mean, will he get the touchdowns? Will he be a really fantasy viable option? We're not sitting here guaranteeing that. What we are saying is that there's a chance. So roster him. For me, in the beginning of the year, that's when I like to stash people because there's no buys until week three or four. I can't remember what it is this year, but I think it's week three or four. There's no buys. So for that first two or three weeks, you are literally just stashing players on your bench. These are the type of guys you want to stash, guys with upside. You could always trash and and pick up on the waiver wire some new guys. And if you have a, a dead roster spot uh, on your on your roster after week one because the guy didn't do anything, like Ty Johnson got three touches for nine yards, and you want to get rid of him, fine. It makes it an easier choice when you have to actually spend your 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 uh, fab and, and, and decide someone to drop. It's just easier that way. So I don't see any downside to having these upside guys. Um, another upside guy is Gabriel Davis. Emmanuel Sanders, hurt, has a history of being hurt. Gabriel Davis has done nothing but produce. This wide receiver two slot was a very productive one for fantasy last year when John Brown was in it. Then when Gabriel Davis was in it, it was a productive slot, and that's because the Buffalo Bills, they don't run the ball. And 
from every indication in preseason, they still don't plan to run the ball. So I think Gabriel Davis is another really, really hit it out of the park stash for me. I fully concur. He's also someone who's under 10% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I think Emmanuel Sanders is an old dweebus at this point. Dweebus. Um, Whoa. He's a dweebus. Taking out the new name to be much of a factor on the bills. Um, and that's the only thing holding Gabriel Davis back. So if Sanders is a factor, then this is going to be someone you drop soon. And that's fine. But the fact of the matter is Gabriel Davis turned like 60 targets last year into 600 yards, five touchdowns. He was super productive in limited time. And we all know Stephon Diggs is going to get his. Cole Beasley is probably going to get his in the slot. He's been wide receiver 32 through 38 every year with the Bills. And then there's room for someone else to step up. Um, and if it's not Dawson Knox, if it's not Emmanuel Sanders, and I don't expect the running backs to catch many passes. Everyone talks Zach Moss is the pass catching back on the Bills. That fucking buffoon had 10 catches last year. So fuck <laughs> out of here with that. People just love to make up narratives. The real narrative here is that Gabriel Davis could be the third or 2.5 if um, he matches up with Beasley a little bit more option on this offense sooner rather than later. And if Josh Allen continues to improve and has an MVP type season, he's going to be a valuable piece. Agreed. Uh, I the, he's he's one that could he's one that could be a, one of those guys where you're like, wow, how did he not go? How did he not go drafted? Just have has that kind of aura. Uh, let's talk about two running backs to end this off. Odds are there's not much running back depth on your on your waiver wire. So if you can get a guy like Ty Johnson, um, do it. There's also two other guys, Tyson Williams. You may not have heard of him. He is right now the only other active running back besides Gus Edwards on the Ravens. The Ravens are going to run, and you don't know the health of Gus Edwards. So all of a sudden, if you have Tyson Williams on your bench and you're stashing him, particularly if you have Gus Edwards or if you had J.K. Dobbins, um, all of a sudden you have a guy who could be a starting running back by whatever week. Like this is That's the type of guy who you're like, oh, I can't believe I didn't pick him up a week before everything happened because if if Gus Edwards gets hurt on like the second to last play of the game how much fab you think Tyson Williams is going for next the, the following week oh probably that has 100% uh, 100% <laughs> like you're going to spend yeah. all your fab on Tyson Williams so it's a guy to have on your bench and then that saves you that saves you for the future especially and I can't I cannot stress this enough during the first two weeks of the season when there's no buys or three weeks of the season. Jason, can you look that up real quick while I'm uh, reading this or reading this these people off? Like, when's the first bye week? Like, what are the first bye weeks? Mm-hmm. So, so him, Tyson Williams, who I who I mentioned and why he's valuable, although he's not going to start for you week one if you have him. Bye star week six, by the way. Week six through 14. Bye star week six this year. Oh, yeah, they got pushed back. I was thinking they got pushed up because of the new schedule. Oh, yeah. That's stupid. Six through 14. It's weird. Six. Wow, you have it's pretty f- spread out though. There's no real like buy cop buy apocalypse. I think week most seven of the week is four. I think week seven is like the closest to buy. Right, seven is five. That's the most. Yeah. So seven week seven is gonna be a little bit I know I have one team that's gonna be completely empty week seven. Um but man, week you have five weeks of stashing. This is great. Are you kidding? That's wonderful news. Like this is like and, and and the whole fantasy industry too is all about like don't stash, don't get handcuffs, don't do this, don't do that in the beginning. 
It's the, it's the opposite. It's such backwards thinking because there's no buys. You could just start your starting lineup for five straight weeks. No problem. Before you have to start really thinking about roster moves. So you can stash a guy like Tyson Williams. You can stash a guy like Justin Fields. You can stash a guy like Ty Johnson and see how it evolves. This guy's not a stash. This is a guy who is probably going to be ranked a little higher week to week than he got drafted, and that's Gio Bernard. Gio Bernard's interesting because he's on a team with a lot Here's, of weapons. Yeah, honestly, I put Gio Bernard on this list as a result of both confirmation and recency bias. Whether you believe in Gio Bernard or you don't, it's a primetime game Thursday night. Yeah, And if Tom Brady comes out and peppers Bernard with like seven targets... There's going to be rumblings everywhere. And if you already have Bernard prior to that, I don't think you should start him Thursday night. But if you already have him on your bench prior to that, trade him. someone might panic and pay up for him the next week if you're trying to trade. He could be like this year's Naheem Hines. This is, so might as well add him before Thursday. This is why Jason has the most championships in our home league. Thoughts like that. I'm very happy that I have a, a podcast with him. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> He used to do this to me all the time. I remember once Jason drafted Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers, and he had the goal of trading Aaron Rodgers before the season started. And he did it. And it worked out really well for his team. Do you know how I know? remember this? Do you know why I remember this, Jason? Cause it was traded, to you. It was to me. It was to me. And I yeah. fucked that trade up real bad. That was, that was a trade that I regret to this day. I still remember where I was. I was on the bus going to a, an overnight camping trip with my sixth graders. Ugh. It was a tough. You fucked up. I fucked up. I should have. I wasn't. I wasn't completely paying attention. I didn't completely weigh the pros and cons, and I fucked up. And my team was good that year, and it would have been better if I didn't trade with you, son of a bitch. All right. Um. With that being said, it's football time, baby. Football is here. Oh Let's, yeah. Let's get into the matchup. It is the Cowboy skis at the Buccaneer skis. I'm just. I just say skis at the end of everything now to my son. So that's just how I'm talking. Um. It's the Cowboys at the Buccaneers in a very, very primetime game. America's team versus America's champion. Uh, Tom Brady versus Dak Prescott coming at it. I want to start with the running backs in this game because I think the running backs are intriguing. Um, Last year, the Buccaneers were the number one running team in the league. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, number one running defense in the league. Excuse me. Um, And the Dallas Cowboys were the second to last ranked running defense in the league. But... On the flip side, you have Ezekiel Elliott, who you know is going to get a vast majority of the work, and you have Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and Gio Bernard. You don't really know where the, the yards are going there. On top of that, Zach Martin, the the all-pro, all-NFL guard for the Cowboys, hit the COVID list. He won't be available for the game number one. So let's start with Zeke, Jason. How do you see him... Uh, making out in this game without Zach Martin and against the number one rushing defense in the league? Look, I think that even for both sides, really, that this game is going to be an important indicator without overdoing it because it's one week. But I think it'll be an important indicator of what's to come this season. Um, When it comes to the Cowboys, Zach Prescott's back at the helms. So is Ezekiel Elliott going to be the three-down workhorse we're accustomed to seeing, or is Todd Bowles, not Todd Bowles, I'm talking about the Bucks defensive coordinator here, or is uh, t- Tony Powell, the fuck, um, going to get more work, going to get the third-down work? I- I- I'm very interested to see what the role that Powell plays here. And when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott, the thing is, he was your first-round pick. So when it comes to your first-round pick, you are starting him. Wow, 
That's a who would have guessed it? Just right? just to say this, Jason, you meant Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard. Why am I saying the wrong name? I don't Bowles, know. I was Powell. so I, honestly, I just went to the, like because you make so you don't make mistakes often. And I'm like, yo, do no. I do I not know who the backup running back for the Cowboys is? Like, what the what? Tony ha- Pollard. Because I, I, I had Zeke in the league and I I handcuffed him with Pollard. And I was just like, oh my god, I handcuffed him. With I'm the, not I just lie had a little you. heart attack. I was attack. waiting for you to correct me. I was, I just had a little heart attack. Honestly, I was like, that's still not his name. I don't think. But I'm gonna just keep going. <laughs> Tony Pollard. <laughs> so I just had a giant brain fart on Tony Pollard. That's all right. But I want to see how much work he gets because last year he did look like a very talented backup. And when it comes to Zeke. I want to see his role in the passing game as well. Um, this is going to be a tough matchup with Zach Martin out. Um, if the Bucks score a lot of points on this defense, it might be a game where we see Ezekiel Elliott come out and get 13 carries for 30 yards, and then before you know it, the Cowboys need to start passing. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bad game on the ground for Ezekiel Elliott. So I think it'll be a good indicator of what can we expect from him through the air this year. Uh, that's what I want to see from Zeke. If you're you're starting him, but I I don't love this matchup. Zeke has never had. I mean, besides 2017 when he only played 10 games, Zeke has never had less than 50 catches. And his and he was rookie season. I'm sorry. In the last three years, he's never had less than 50 catches. Uh, last year was his by far his lowest, um, but also his, his his lowest yards per reception, also his lowest total yards. He's involved in the pass game. I expect him to continue to be involved involved in the pass game. I do too, but if Tony Pollard steals two to three targets, and that's a big deal over the course of the whole season. What about these Bucks running backs? Now, we know that the the Cowboys were definitely injured last year, so take that with a grain of salt that they were the second-to-last rushing defense in the league. They also added um, Micah Parsons, who, in my opinion, is one of these right-away impact rookies. Like, a lot of people don't... Like, defensive rookie of the year, like, he's the front-runner. So, that helps... And their running back, their just entire defense is a lot healthier than it was when they were stacking up these these stats last year. So you take second to last with a little bit of a grain of salt here. With that being said, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and Gio Bernard, there could be a case made that every single one of these are a good start. So what are you feeling about them? There could be a case, although hopefully you're in a deeper league if you're starting one of them. Here's the thing. Gio Bernard played every single third down with the Buck starters in the preseason. So who's going to be on third downs? His name is Mr. Bernard, first name Gio. So that's what you can expect from Gio Bernard. So if you're in a 14-team PPR league and you have Gio Bernard, you could throw him in your flex and hope he catches five passes, potentially luckily finds the end zone, something of that sort. I get it. I don't want to touch him in a 12-man league, even in full PPR. I'd rather see what his role is going to be like. And also, I just... I don't like just starting third down running backs because the odds that Bernard gets a decent amount of carries is low in my opinion. So then it comes down to Rojo or Fournette. And I've been leaning Rojo the entire season. And honestly, this game feels like to me, it could be one of those odd Tom Brady led games where one of the running backs, my guess would be Rojo ends with three touchdowns and it's on primetime football. And everyone just starts is Ronald Jones, in RB1 from here on out, like I really feel like this could be one of those odd games. I think that Ronald Jones is more talented than Leonard Fournette. I think that he was the better back at the end of last season. He got more work before being injured at the end of last season. So I do think that Rojo is the guy I'm starting from this backfield. And 
I'm going to have him ranked somewhere in the back 20s because there's a lot of questions around him. But I really wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those random three touchdown games for a random Tom Brady running back. That's what you're going to have to bank on, I feel like, every single week from the Buccaneers. And it's going to... Yeah, it's going to be very boom-bust. Because I wouldn't even say, like... boom-bust. Let's say you're right, and Ronald Jones has 18 touches in his first game. Like, does that guarantee that Ronald Jones is definitely going to see the majority of the work in game two? How many games in a row... No, it doesn't. That's the thing. How many games in a row... Exactly. How many games in a row would you need to see from Ronald Jones in order for you to have confidence that he's going to, in the next game, be the main back? Probably three at I, least. I but the like thing three. is, in fantasy, after one, you're still going to do it just because you're scared that it's going to stay the same and you're going to miss it. Well, you remember, it's that, uh, I forget the rule that we go by, but it's the the three strikes rule or the, the whatever it is. I, on the third week, that's when trends, that's when you start to identify, okay, this is a trend. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because it's gonna be hard to think about in this game. A lot of fantasy viable people in this game. So let's go over to where the position is most plentiful: the wide receivers. You got Ceedee Lamb and Amari Cooper, who obviously uh, need to be started in this game. Now the Bucks did not have a good pass defense last year, but a lot of that is because when you have a great offense like the Bucks do and a great run defense like the Bucks do, teams have to come back a lot, and teams are gonna be passing on you a lot. So that definitely you know, skews the numbers. But with that being said, this this does profile like a game that could do that, like you mentioned earlier. So, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, maybe even Michael Gallup on the Cowboy side, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown on the Buccaneers side, three, six receivers in this game that could all be argued fantasy viable. Um, I, I The storyline I'm looking for in this game is CeeDee Lamb. Is CeeDee Lamb the guy, or is it still Amari Cooper who's the guy? How are these guys? How are the targets being separated? How how is CeeDee Lamb lining up on the field? We were told that CeeDee Lamb will line up outside, line up inside. We saw that in the preseason. Is that something that is just hype, and they're just going to put him back in the slot, or is he really going to be moving around this year? What about Amari Cooper? Is Amari Cooper moving? <clears throat> these are all things that I want to see. So that first game is going to be a litmus test, but it it's pretty simple at the end of the day. It's just who's going to do better. It's, it's gonna, if you have any of those guys that I just mentioned, maybe besides Gallup and Brown, you're starting them. Do you take a chance on Gallup or Brown in this game? Yeah, so this is the issue with high-powered offenses, right? There's a lot of different options. And the games where they don't score as much or where they go up early and run the ball more, yada, yada, someone's going to miss out. Like, Common sense says that of the six receivers you listed, at least two of them are going to disappoint unless this is a giant shootout. And, you know, it's hard for me to talk about the receivers without mentioning the quarterbacks because I'm I'm honestly concerned about the Cowboys in this game. They're starting the season on Thursday night, so it's already a shortened, technically, preseason for them. And they're going up against a defensive unit that ranked sixth in the league last season in points allowed. They were sixth in the league and expected points added. And PFF currently has them ranked as one of their top five defenses. Aside the Rams, Pittsburgh, Denver, and the Washington football team. So we have all of this, a very good defense that brought back 
basically their entire team from the Super Bowl. We have a quarterback who hasn't played in about a year, who already dealt with an injury this preseason, and a team that, if we're being honest, is notorious for falling short in primetime games. America's team has not been America's team. That They're always in primetime, and a lot of the time they're shitting the bed. And there's a chance that this could be a shootout, but I'm concerned that Dak Prescott comes out and starts the season slow, and it would be entirely understandable. This is a top-shelf unit against a guy who hasn't played an NFL game in a year, coming off of a debilitating injury. So when I think of that, I expect CeeDee Lamb to get his. Uh, I expect him to move outside, inside, and see at least, honestly, eight targets from Dak Prescott. They're going to want to get him involved. He's been lighting up the preseason. I wouldn't be surprised if Dak gets out there and wants to force-feed him a little bit. Amari Cooper is always going to get his fair share in that offense. And then, of course, Ezekiel Elliott is. So assessing this game, I'm honestly scared of Michael Gallup. I don't think I'd want to start Michael Gallup in a 12-man league. Potentially, you're forced to start him in your flex, and there's always a chance he catches a touchdown and makes up for it. But I don't see a eight-catch, 80-yard game out of Michael Gallup. I think it's going to be touchdown or bust for him. And then on the other side of the ball... If I'm concerned about the Cowboys' offense, then on the flip side, common sense at least would say that you're concerned about the depth on the other side. Chris Godwin's going to see targets. Mike Evans going to see targets. Is Antonio Brown going to see targets? At points last year, Antonio Brown out-targeted Evans and Godwin. Is Mike Evans going to have one of those games where he doesn't catch a touchdown and falls short? These are just the way these offenses are running. I expect the Buccaneers to be safer options. I expect... Um, I'd start Antonio Brown over Michael Gallup. Me too. I expect Evans and Godwin to produce because this Cowboys defense is not the best, and they just won the Super Bowl. It's prime time. They're home. I expect the Buccaneers to come out flying. Tom Brady constantly wants to prove that he's not old man Rivers. So I expect better things from this Buccaneers offense. I'm honestly concerned about Dak and and Michael Gallup. I don't ideally want in my lineup. Sleeper of the of this game, and we don't usually mention kickers, but you're talking about a guy who's they're gonna have to throw the ball a lot, and he's and he is rusty, and they have talented players, but all of that kind of equates in they're gonna move the ball, but maybe not put it in the end zone. So uh, Greg Zerloin, the Greg the leg, I think is a, a little bit of a sleeper here. Um, what about the right, let's you already just touched on the quarterbacks. So let's go to the quarterbacks before we get to these tight ends. Tom Brady is one of the favorite, got to be one of the top five plays this week against a Cowboys defense that was not good against the pass last year. And Dak Prescott, you expect him to, he's either going to do one of two things. The team's going to be down a lot, so he's going to be passing a lot. Or the team's going to be in a good game with the defending champions, in which case they'd have to score. So unless the Dallas Cowboys are getting completely blown out in this game, which I don't think, I I don't ever predict a blowout for the first game of the season. Unless they're getting completely blown out in this game, it's going to be hard for, for Dak Prescott not to be fantasy relevant. And it's going to be and – and Tom Brady's a top five play. I think this is why you draft quarterbacks who use their legs. Um, because even if the team is struggling and they're not putting up that many points, if Dak Prescott rushes for 50 yards and a touchdown, he already has 11 points. And I know he's not the runner that Josh Allen or Kyler Murray is, but – Let's not forget that Dak Prescott does use his legs, and that's why he's being drafted as the fifth quarterback off the board. And if you drafted him there, you're not benching him week one. 
And honestly, I'm not benching him for Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady has a potential to be a top five quarterback this week. I'm probably not going to rank him in the top five. He'll be a top 12 quarterback for me. But it all comes down to the legs and upside. So as long as Tom Brady's not throwing four touchdowns, which he could, but if he's not throwing four touchdowns, it's going to be hard for him to eclipse the top five quarterbacks. But both quarterbacks, I think, are good starts. Again, I'm a little weary of Dak Prescott, but I think that his leg usage um, will allow him to at least stay afloat in what could be a bad game for him. I think you're underestimating throwing quarterbacks a little bit. Like, there's still there's still a – like, if he throws for 300 yards and a touchdown, that's still an 18-point game, and that's – you know, that's, that's standard. No, I get it. But you said top five. You're not ranking him Locked. over Mahomes, Allen, Murray, Jackson. In so this, he's gonna be your fifth quarterback. I mean, in this week, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. If you're that high on him, start a DFS lineup and throw Brady in there. Because <laughs> I mean, against the Cowboys, he's something. He's someone that, and I, I will have our full rankings up uh, on the website and on the app. By the way, by tomorrow, I haven't. And the start tool. And the start tool. So um, check that out. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where he ends up. But I, for me, at Top five is where I have him initially, like without really going deep into the numbers. Um, with that being said, uh, these tight ends are guys that I'm probably not going to be ranking. I think one of the low-key storylines in this game and one of the low-key storylines I'm looking for is the usage of Blake Jarwin. I think last year you saw in Dalton Schultz the the potential for what Blake Jarwin could have been had Blake Jarwin been on the field. But in Dalton Schultz showing you that, he also... Prove that he needs to be on the field. So one of the low-key things I'm looking for in this game is how are Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin used? How are they splitting their snaps? Uh, because if Blake Jarwin is a is a number one guy, he has 80% of the snaps, I think that that's someone you should be looking at as a streamer tight end weekly. Uh, and then Rob Gronkowski is going to be tight end dependent. I mean, he's, I'm sorry, touchdown dependent all season. Like, there's no way around it. He's a touchdown or bust kind of player at this point. He's like the Jimmy Graham of this offense. So that's what you're dealing with if you're starting Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, Gronk had seven top six tight end performances last year, all when he caught a touchdown. Primetime game against the Bucks honestly has Gronk touchdown written all over it. He showed up true. in the playoffs. He's a primetime player. So it really does have Gronk touchdown written all over it. That's true. So I wouldn't be mad at you if you take that shot this week. There's also a chance that you're watching the Thursday night game and then you, the game ends and you're looking at a donut or a two-point game in your lineup. That's the risk you take with Gronk. If you took a if you took a late tight end or you didn't get one until like the, I don't know, like Noah Fant type range and further behind that and you want to take a shot on Gronk, I won't kill you. I don't know if I'd do it, but I feel like this game has Gronk touchdown written all over it. Uh, you heard it here first, Jason, ladies and gentlemen. Jason will not kill you if you start Rob Gronkowski, which is good news because <laughs> you don't want to die just because you didn't start. Just because you started. Good Rob news Gronkowski. for me too because I would prefer to stay out of jail. That's what I'm saying. Like I think it's good news for everyone if you just start Rob Gronkowski, and then Jason doesn't have to kill anybody, and it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this analysis you only get here. <laughs> um, that's it. We we did it. We we are we're our first um, our first game preview. Uh, just to recap a little bit. Uh, this is something that we're going to be doing for every single team for free uh, on Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we do that every week, two episodes a week, covering every single game. Um, 
that's how we do. That's what we're doing. But if you want some, if you want this extra episode, if you want the waivers, which we're going to be going into waivers every week, the same way we went into the the undrafted gem type guys uh, this week. If you want the waivers, if you want that Thursday night preview, so often a make or break game when it comes to uh, fantasy, then this is where to come. Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. That's where you could do it. You also support, you're also supporting the app, the Fantasy Football by Broto app. If you do not have that, uh, please do. And you're supporting the website, BrotoFantasy.com. You guys are the reason why we continue to go. So please uh, support us if you can. Um, as of right now, uh, almost past a nice little milestone of uh, 70 patrons. So we're at 68 patrons right now, I think. So if you want to be that 70th patron, uh, we'd appreciate it. Uh, shout out to you. Uh, maybe a little, maybe a little gift for the 70th patron. What do you say, Jason? You feeling, you feeling I'm like I'm always a gift? up for, I'm always up for throwing gifts. Yeah, so we did patron Jeopardy, and then um, our guy Ethan out in uh, Oakland, I think, uh, won a Brodo, a Brodo um, reusable bottle, like a swell type bottle with the Brodo logo on it. I'm honestly jealous and want to order one for myself. Honestly, like that's our best product in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, uh, we do. And a, also, we have a bunch it's of still not too, too late. Um, we are giving away a signed Ocho Cinco jersey. All you have to do is tell your friends to sign up on the Broto app and tell them to put your email or Twitter handle in the promo code section. Every time we get a Twitter at or email in the promo code section, we write it down, and then we're going to do a random generator and see who wins. So honestly, it's unlimited entries. And if you tell your whole friend, all your friends and family to sign up and you have like 30 entries... Good shot of winning. People helping people. That's how we do here at the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, don't forget about Michael at Mike Petra- at no, it's not Mike Petrop anymore at Brodo FF Mike on Twitter. Don't forget about Cass. Michael is Michael is in Vegas. He is. Um, well, he's going to Vegas tonight. When you listen to this, he'll be in Vegas for the FFPC, um, where they'll be doing some high stakes drafts. It's still not too late to get into those. If you go on the app, you can click on the homepage where you can get a free $5 FFPC league. And then you could also join other leagues if you want. It's free money. Jason, you, you're getting pretty good at this, this whole promo thing. I might just give Do you a job. Can. Do what I can. <laughs> um, you, where can they find you, Jay? At BrotoFF, Jason. You can find me at BrotoFF Tim. See what we did there. You can find all of us at BrotoFantasy. And don't forget BrotoFantasy.com. Uh, we have so many things now. Just It's just endless plugs. Uh but we also got some pretty good and, fantasy endless advice. work. <laughs> yeah, and endless work. But we have some pretty good fantasy advice, so please give us some money for it. <laughs> Later. Later.